Hey guys, this is Gavin from Cross Continental Sports. This week we're recapping the Super Bowl and covering some of the latest news and drama from the NBA. Enjoy the show. Our first question today is, does seven Super Bowls officially classify as Tom Brady as the GOAT? The greatest of all time. Is that him? Is that Tom Brady? Right. So whenever we have a GOAT conversation, there's so many different arguments you can make, right? And nobody's ever going to agree on who the GOAT is in any sport, right? No, absolutely. But seven Super Bowls, that is a lot for Tom Brady. That smokes everybody else. So I think we got to get into some of these Super Bowls. So, of course, he finally won with a different team. The big argument was always that he wasn't the GOAT because the Patriots system and everything. He was a system quarterback, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But I think this year we kind of saw that maybe um, Brady was carrying Belichick and that the Patriots weren't the dynasty that we thought they were and that Brady was just the leader that everyone had thought he was. So, No, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I've been hearing everywhere I go, right? You For the past, what, 10 years, everybody's talking about how uh, you take away Bill Belichick, Tom Brady's nothing, he's absolutely this. And it, people were kind of defending where he was drafted. He was drafted so low, and he doesn't even deserve it because people seriously believe that you could have anybody at quarterback and the Patriots would have this dynasty. So I I always disagreed. I, I thought that this guy was – I thought he was he was a magic maker. I thought he, he could do stuff with that football that, that, that nobody else could without really some of the athleticism that we see from other guys. You had people talking about Patrick Mahomes saying that – saying that he was the GOAT, right? Because this guy is an all-around athlete. You watch him, he picks up a basketball, and, and, and he's, he's got handles, man. He, he picks up a baseball, and you know he, he drafted to the MLB. So this, this, guy, th- this guy is an athlete. So it's something that Tom Brady, Tom Brady isn't really considered to be because, let's be honest, that, that guy that guy's like a Honda Civic when, when, when he gets running, he's not going anywhere fast. Right. 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 No, I totally agree. Like um, a big thing for me is that when you're able to go and win with multiple teams, I think that that shows you how great you are. Just like LeBron James is doing it in basketball, right? He dominated with the Cavaliers when he was young, but he couldn't quite get that ring. Goes to a new team, wins a couple championships, goes back to Cleveland, wins a championship goes to the Lakers, wins a championship. He's showing that his versatility, he can do it anywhere, right? Tom Brady finally proved that. He did something. He got past the hurdle that I think he really needed to be considered the GOAT, and that's winning on another team. Because if you're able to dominate with a franchise, I mean, everybody's going to consider all the factors, like the coaching, the dynasty, everything about that. But then when you're able to go to a new team, especially the Buccaneers, who the past couple years have had talent but haven't been able to do anything with it, He's able to go there, win a championship, make it look good, um, and dethrone uh, the young star, Patrick Mahomes, who's obviously just amazing. But right. I think that's going to contribute so much to his legacy. And to be honest, I just don't know who else you can even consider the GOAT when you've had Tom Brady that's dominated so much for such a long period of time. Longevity has to be uh, a factor in the GOAT conversation. Yeah, for sure. And Something that I think is a very underrated stat is passing yards. You know, lots of guys look at touchdowns, this, that, you know. Um, but if you look at passing yards, Deshaun Watson led the league in passing yards this year with 4,000-something four, 4, passing yards, right? We look at Tom Brady for his career, and he is approaching 80,000 passing yards. 80,000 passing yards, and he's going into his 20th season in the league. Right. If you do that math, he's averaging 4,000 passing yards a season. He is almost averaging leading the league in passing yards every single year that he steps on the field. And to be honest, you can't coach that. No, you can't. Nope, for sure. No, the the Patriots have always been um, a very um, clean system. They've been about protecting Tom Brady and having a good game management. But that doesn't account for everything that Tom Brady has been able to do. Just like we were talking about, he's not quite as athletic as every other everybody else in the league. But just as Peyton Manning got it done before him being a game manager, Tom Brady's been able to do it for the last 20 years. He's 43 years old now, and he's still doing it. He's able to get all those yards. He's able to get his touchdowns, and he's able to keep his team on top even if he makes a couple of mistakes and doesn't play a perfect game. Speaking of which, Peyton Manning into the Hall of Fame 
well deserved, man. I, I actually teared up when I watched the video of him of him uh, accepting that. That, that, that. That's pretty awesome. One hundred percent deserves it. I think he's somebody that doesn't get enough credit in his career a lot of times. No, for sure, because he he, he doesn't really look like uh, the, the new age of quarterback, right? Exactly. Kind of, but he, he he could still dominate. He came to Denver. Everyone kind of thought his career was over after he left in Indianapolis, and man, he was. He was still good. Rocked it. Got a Super Bowl. So. Had the best season of his career, actually, after um, playing with the Colts and going and playing with the Broncos, winning a Super Bowl and having a great that, year. And what that that defense in Denver was great. And that's what you were talking about before. What often happens is people forget how much of a team sport football is. 100%. Because, because of all the big names. You see the big names, the big stars, the talent and everything. But – even one of the one of the greats like Peyton Manning, he couldn't do it without without that unreal um, defense. The MVP of that Super Bowl was not Peyton Manning; it was Von Miller, right? Yep, exactly. because that. So, like you said, defense wins championships. Not saying that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady aren't aren't greats, but we also we always need to remember this is this is a team sport. Well, one hundred percent. That's one of the biggest reasons why the Bucks were able to win because uh, Patrick Mahomes was on the run the entire game. He was just trying to run around and sling it because that D-line was coming after him, and they were coming after him hot. And really, that's why Tom Brady uh, lost those first two Super Bowls against the Giants because that Giants defensive line was able to get after him and pressure him, and uh, he wasn't as comfortable as he had always been in his career, sitting back in the pocket. That's actually something that I think was missing in Tampa Bay for a long time was that kind of team atmosphere because even in the first – what like eight games of the season? This Tampa Bay team did not look like they were going to going to win the Super they Bowl. They had some right? pretty bad losses. Yep. And that for me was kind of they they looked like the the Tampa Bay's of the past. They did not look like the 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 the, the, the Super Bowl yeah, Bucks that we watched today. Right. Yep. So um, it, it's, it still didn't look like Tom Brady's team halfway through that year, but I feel like. Like what everybody said, Tom Brady brought in the New England Patriots team mentality, the discipline that he enforced. Penalties were kind of non-existent. And if you did, you got that glare from Tom and you were you were scared for your life because, uh, you know, Tom could have a conversation with Bruce. And I'm sure Tom doesn't like what he's seeing. Uh, Bruce, Bruce will make a change. You oh, know, yeah, so. for sure. And I think that um, that's a big thing. The leadership aspect is a factor that you can't really see and you can't really um, – quantify but it's such a big aspect because Patrick Mahomes is a much more talented quarterback than Tom Brady if you argue that you're just wrong but Tom Brady was able to rally an entire team because Tom Brady's team is very talented the Buccaneers are a very talented team but over the last couple years with Jameis Winston they weren't able to do anything they couldn't go anywhere they weren't making it to the playoffs but then Tom Brady comes in they struggle a little bit early on they were still a good team but then later on in the season after week 12 when they lost to the Chiefs they didn't lose again they just went on because um, that was Tom Brady's team. He led them. And that's a factor that you can't see, but it's such a big impact on a team and a player. Absolutely. And when we look at the team, you can break it down to even duos. When we look at dynamic duo, duos, right now there's none more popular. And I don't think there's anybody better than Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, right? Right. And – and we've got some crazy stats. The, these stats that I've got here are from when um, Gronk announced his retirement after nine years with the Patriots. But Tom Brady's passer rating to Rob Gronkowski after nine seasons together was 124, only targeting Rob Gronkowski. So that's that's unbelievable. That's 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 near perfect when he's targeting number 87, right? Right. So, and some of the questions that I've, I've heard from people and some people who frankly aren't educated on sports is that people think that Tom Brady needs Rob Gronkowski to succeed. I don't know what you think about this. I kind of think that's wild. I'm not saying that Rob Gronkowski isn't good, but I, I don't think number 12 needs 87. Right. No. Yeah. I totally see that point. And uh, obviously when you have chemistry like that, a lot of people like to talk about the chemistry between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill because they're such an explosive duo and everything. But the the connection between Tom Brady and Gronk is special. They're not a very athletic duo. 
Gronk's big and he's slow and powerful and everything. And obviously Brady's not going to be the kind of person that'll roll out of the pocket and just throw a perfect pass as he's falling, getting tackled, right? Like Patrick Mahomes. But this duo just gets it done. They know how to read each other. They know how to find each other. And Tom Brady doesn't necessarily need Gronk to win championships. He's won championships without him already. But man, these last couple championships that he's had him have made a huge difference. And you know that Tom Brady is always going to trust Gronk and he's always going to look for Gronk. So, of course, no, for huge sure. difference. Just like how Joe Montana had uh, Jerry Rice, and that was just someone that you could trust so well. That's what Tom Absolutely. Brady has in Gronk. And it's not necessarily a super explosive duo, but I think it's the most efficient duo in the league. Yeah, trust is a big factor because um, you you look late in the season, the Bucks were having issues with their hands. Yep, they were they they were dropping footballs right at left, right, and center. So it got to a point late in the game, um, Tom Brady was exclusively targeting uh, Rob right. Rob Gronkowski, right? And you just know it's because he's like this guy is, is my guy. <laughs> I, I've no I've known him; he's my best friend. He's not going to drop the football, and if he does. Uh, For sure. yeah, we're we're gonna have a problem. Oh yeah, right? that's one hundred percent. Because if you look at that Bucks team, they had so many players that were so much more talented than Gronk. Gronk came out of retirement. He's, he's getting older. <laughs> he's been beat up. He's had so many injuries in his career. But who dominated that Super Bowl? Tom Brady and Gronk. Why wasn't it Mike Evans dominating? Antonio Brown had that touchdown, but he didn't have a huge dominant game. Chris Godwin, uh, same there. But no, it was Tom Brady and Gronk because they had that special connection and they were tuned into each other and they knew that they were um, going after each other. Even added to that is uh, you're you're gonna you're, you, you, this is something personal for you be, be, being a Steelers guy um, is we saw that trust factor even extend to AB eighty four Antonio Brown yeah right? that's right he was he when when it got to that Super Bowl and even late in the season some people AB got plenty of bonuses from the catches he made but he he knew this guy's got this this guy's got the stats got the history he's a clutch player that you give him the ball he's going to come down with it right that's right so um, those are more of those um kind of intangibles and stuff that you can't really see but you have to throw in the factors because i mean you get great receivers like mike evans and everything but then when it comes down to big games big moments you have to have your players like gronk and stuff that you know you can count on that you can go to in those um big situations. That's why Jerry that's how Jerry Rice basically made his claim for the greatest receiver of all time. Because he was not necessarily the most athletic, not the most talented, but he was the most clutch and when it came down to it, he was trusted more than anybody else. Yeah, this moves on. Somebody who plays who who plays a bit like Jerry Rice is who is Antonio Brown today? Is he the Antonio Brown of yesterday with the Pittsburgh Steelers leading the league in touchdowns? Is he the 2019 Antonio Brown that is facing allegations and won't play unless he's got his special helmet? Or is he is he a new Antonio Brown that we haven't seen before? Yeah, you know what? I think he's actually in a happy middle right now. Um, I think that he's not going to have those big seasons that he had going for 1,600, 1,700 yards receiving, leading the league in touchdowns, having those big, huge seasons. And I don't think it's going to um, work that well with Tom Brady in Tampa. There's too much talent there. But I think he's also not going to um, just completely fall off like he did the past couple of years. I think he's going to find a happy medium. He's going to um, be a little more consistent and efficient. And he'll definitely have a great role, but he just won't be the superstar that we had seen him before. But what do you think about it? I think A.B. needed to get a wake-up call. I think his – he was like a balloon that the NFL kept pumping up and up and up and up, right? He was, he was, his head was just growing. This guy was, right. was leading the league. He was the most popular athlete. His jersey sales were through the roof. Everybody loved his character, right? And so, so frankly, if you keep, yeah, this was booming. if you keep, yeah, booming, twenty four eighty seven, as you would say. <laughs> what what a guy! But the thing is, he's such a personality that you keep pumping his tires. This guy thinks he's on top of the world and that he's in charge, right? He, I think, he really needed a wake up call to be like, "Hey, man, you don't you don't control things." So, I I think this is a this is a new Antonio Brown that we haven't seen before. I think he might his numbers might start to climb 
he was really rough at the start of the year. Like he he wasn't getting as many targets, but but the Bucks were in a bad place. But I don't know. It, it depends on what kind of quarterback he has. Because I think it. That's right. If if he's with a guy who trusts him like Tom, I I feel like we might be able to see his numbers come back. But I don't know if we see any of the crazy catches he was pulling off in the past. You know, and no, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, I think Tom Brady's the perfect uh, quarterback for him, perfect leader for him. Because someone like Ben Roethlisberger, him and Ben had a great connection on the field, but off the field it wasn't yeah. there. They would get in fights, they weren't quite on the same page. Um, and Big Ben, uh, unfortunately, just isn't quite the same leader as Tom Brady sure. is. I mean, Tom Brady, one of the greatest leaders in sports history, right? So I think that um, Antonio Brown needed a strong leader, a strong personality like Tom Brady to get him in check. And um, to show him that you are not the center of attention and that you will fit in with this team. And obviously it's uh, worked so far last year. And I think it might get even better next year. No. Yeah. Cause I I can remember there were some times that I would see big Ben drop back in the pocket. He would have hands in his face and he would just launch the ball. He didn't even know where it was going, but he was just kind of hoping that 84 would get somewhere in the area and, and haul it down. And That's it right. worked. It, it worked in Pittsburgh for for a long time because he, like, you would see Ben would release the ball and he's just do, doing doing the, the Mitch Trubisky face, like. That's right. right? Oh, yeah. And then AB would pull something, pull something out of his rear end, you know, and come up with something that's unbelievable. Didn't even make sense. Right. So, um, but another personality, we have, we've never really seen this kind of personality from this guy before, but he's kind of, it kind of feels like we're getting into uh, a drama situation is uh, number four on the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, that's This right. guy is asking, uh, uh, has asked for a trade officially, excuse me. And um, we've heard lots of perspectives on this. Brett Favre has was not happy with that. He thinks that it, it's kind of a, a disrespectful kind of thing to do. I, what do you make of the trade request from Deshaun Watson? Yeah, so, I mean, the Texans are struggling quite a bit right now. Um, they're a team that had talent, and they should have been so much better with it, but they just did not know how to use it. I mean, we see J.J. Watt um, and the Texans also mutually agreed for um, a release. But, yeah, Deshaun Watson, he wants out of there. Um, he thinks that he is – a quarterback at the top of his game that he's extremely talented right now. And we know that he is, and he wants to go somewhere where his talent um, can be a little more efficient and that he can go out and get some wins and maybe compete for a championship. Cause he doesn't believe right now that he can do so in uh, Texas, in Houston. And um, to be honest, I don't really blame him. I understand the other um, point of views that he should try to stick in there and make everything work. But I mean, when you're, when you're a quarterback with limited time, I mean, you don't know how long you're going to last in this league. Uh, football's a tough sport. You don't always uh, get to have a super long career. So he wants to hurry up and go and win when he can, right? And we don't know anything that's happening behind the scenes with management and coaching. I mean, who knows uh, the kind of relationships that are happening there. So obviously it's tough. And I don't blame him for wanting to get a second chance and move on to a franchise that he thinks that he would um, enjoy playing for more and enjoy – this win more. situation is a situation I would compare to Detroit Lions, not today, but like four or five years ago. They had young Matt Stafford. He was hot, fresh, ready to go. This guy, this guy's a stud, right? And I feel like Deshaun Watson kind of saw the Matt Stafford horror story, his best years being wasted in a place like Detroit. And he's kind of like, I don't want this to happen to me. Personally, I'm a guy I would never request for a trade. I, I don't think I, I, I'd have the balls to do it. But um, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, he's, he's a different guy. It's a different age where players are, are um, more forthcoming with their, so, with their opinions. That's right. So much more comfortable. We see it in the NBA, too. Um, yeah, all throughout the, the professional sports world, players are – um, getting more comfortable with voicing their opinions and wanting to get out of situations that they don't enjoy. Yeah, that's that that that's the same thing you saw JJ Watt. He just voices absolute displeasure with the character and the attitude that was being shown in Houston. And so this 
brings us to what's in store for Houston. Are are are, are they done now? They're they're down. They're down four. They're down ninety nine. Who are, who do they got that's going to make that's a right. difference? So. Yeah. So I mean, I think that they're going to have to go through a big season of uh, rebuilding. It's going to take a couple years. Um, unfortunately, I feel like they wasted a lot of talent that they had in the past couple years with guys like D Hop and uh, obviously JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson and everything. Um, I don't know what's going to end up happening with Deshaun Watson, whether he leaves or stays. I can't imagine that they're going to keep him with how um, unhappy he is. But I think that they're just going to have to go through a season of rebuilding and that they're just going to have to cut their losses and uh, look to improve in the next couple of years. But, no, I don't see them going anywhere big within the next couple of seasons. I think it's going to take some time. Oh, yeah. it's it's For me, it's ridiculous the drop-off that Houston went from being a top contender in the league to – being four and twelve, like I just, I right. just can't. When I blame a lot of that on the moving of, of Hopkins. Like I, for me, I was kind of like, Shouldn't I was like, happen. what are you doing? Like, like if you're trying to make a push, push for, for for winning, you can't move a guy like that. He he's he's a difference maker on the field. He's a guy that a quarterback oh, needs to make plays and. Yeah, Fuller's good, but he's not Hopkins. Like, no, of course not. And if you want to keep your quarterback happy, you got to keep talented guys around him, like DeAndre Hopkins. Exactly, and you need to have more than one playmaker on the team. Um, especially, well, you can even say you, you need more than one playmaker on one side of the ball. You can't have <laughs> you can't have Watson and Watt on opposite sides of the ball trying to win games. You know, because that's right. More often exactly. than not, Watt, Watt was on the field more than Watson was. And how can you score touchdowns when you're always playing defense? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, speaking of uh, J.J. Watt and everything, where do you think that he might end up? Because, I mean, I know me as a Steelers fan, I'm hoping that he pairs up with his brother, T.J., and goes um, up over to Pittsburgh. I think that would be a pretty exciting that would, to watch. That would be I ridiculous to have three Watts on the same team. T, T, TJ, right. Derek, and JJ. Um, I, I know Derek's obviously not 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 what not as revered as the other two, but that'd be something special. Imagine them on the same line having <laughs> TJ and JJ. That would be scary, yeah, of course. And I'm sure their parents would love it just getting the cheer. Right the, the, there, you go. <laughs> I think I saw JJ tweeted. I, I either um, either one of us love is loved the least or the most because you got. TJ and JJ, and then I don't know where you got Derek, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, but, <laughs> that's right. But yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it would be super exciting to pair up there. I think the Steelers um, should go after him, and of course, I would be shocked if he didn't um, favor going to the Steelers a little bit to play with his brother. That's a very close family, and I know that he would probably love to play alongside his brother. And I know that would be a scary defense to like, go. Up that would be that would be ridiculous. I mean, I've seen all the the poorly photoshopped photos of. Uh, of JJ in a, in a Steelers uniform. and <laughs> <laughs> Of course. But um, I, I don't know. Some people were talking about Detroit. What do you think? If Detroit has JJ Watt in the lineup, are they anything special? Um, no, I still don't think it's going to help them out enough. I, I think that they're going to have to go through some more rebuilding too. I mean, the Lions haven't been special for ever. But um, I think that they're going to they're gonna need a little bit more work than old JJ. But uh, I don't know if he'd also want to go there. I think that if he's going to leave a team like the Texans, then he's going to want to go to a team that has a little more um, oomph and someone that can get him to, closer to the Super yeah, Bowl. No, number two, yeah, number two on CBS's list for possible landing spots for JJ is the defending champs now, right? Um, my, my brother likes to call them the diva team because, because team. seriously, if you were to look and think – if you were to pick one player that has the wildest storyline out of it in the NFL at each position, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got they got Tom Brady, the GOAT, Rob Gronkowski, the partier who's retired, Antonio Brown, Mr. Drama Queen, right? They got LaShawn McCoy. He he was absolutely he, he used to be like unreal and when he was in philadelphia of course yeah leonard 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 fournette right these just absolutely huge characters nadama kong sue imagine uh jason pierre paul i mean that's 
it's a pretty crazy team. I mean, five years ago, if you look at a team like that, I mean, <laughs> that's hilarious and that's crazy how far they. Oh no, yeah, from. like two two years ago, like half these guys were weren't even playing. They were like they were like banned or like I wouldn't be surprised if um if Mike Vick came out as the backup quarterback or something. Right, exactly. It comes out of retirement to play as the backup. But, but yeah, I. I Right, yeah. Um, the Cowboys, Cowboys are on the list. I don't know. Cowboys are they're they're looking to make something happy. Um, I I I could see I could see him going to the Cowboys. He loves Texas. I mean, if he wants a change, maybe he'll try to get out of Texas. But I know that he's very loyal to Texas, and maybe hopping over to um, Dallas would be enough of a change for him. But I mean, we'll have to see. They're they're a team that can contend too. I mean, if Dak Prescott's healthy and um, they get that passing game going, then maybe Zeke can get a little more comfortable again because I know he, he's been struggling. But that could definitely be a, a landing spot for him. But I'm still pulling out for those for those Steelers. I think that that would be a, a nasty Speaking deal. of the Cowboys and the hiring of Mike McCarthy, firing Jason Garrett, I was really pulling for the Giants late in the season because I, I wanted to see Jason Garrett as the OC for, for New York. I wanted to see him like basically shoving in Dallas's face like it was not me it is it this this is a yeah this is a team problem and I, I'm a firm believer I thought that that team they didn't have the right kind of atmosphere around there they they got they got Zeke who he's unbelievable athlete but I think he's got he's kind of in that Antonio Brown drama stage <laughs> he just got it yeah I, I I think that he's lost a little bit of his focus um, and he hasn't been quite as um, in tune as he needs to be. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw his tattoo. He is right above his uh, his unmentionables that says "Feed Me," and I was like, <laughs> man, I can't. And he he likes to do the roll up on the jersey, right? Oh, he loves and, that roll up. Anything to get a little more um, right? Time, ridiculous, right? and it's like he's trying to. What I find is ridiculous. It's it's like most guys do that, and they're absolutely jacked. They got this shredded six pack going on, and he doesn't really have that anymore. You know, he's kind of no. He's got he's got a little bit of that. that yeah, like that, that kind of James Harden. That James Harden gut yeah. thing, right? So for sure. Um, Speaking of um, James Harden, uh, moving over to a little bit of the world of basketball. Right. What do you think about the whole James Harden net situation? Well, right now? I I don't know. With this big three, this this is this looks powerful. This looks powerful. It it shows shades of Golden State Warriors, but obviously not quite the same shooters that we had in in GSW. But still got KD, Kyrie, and like this this is this is a team. Do you think they're gonna do anything come playoff time? I don't know. So, of course, I mean, you have to think as a team with that much talent is dangerous no matter what, no matter what situation they're in. But, I mean, they got a, a, a first-year head coach with Nash. Um, he's going to have to try to deal with all those strong personalities because, I mean, James Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, some of the strongest oh, for sure. personalities in all sports. Um, I mean, we got – you talk about divas, talk about some drama queens. I mean, that's not easy to deal with. Steph Curry, I think, made it a little bit easier in uh, Golden State because he was willing to mesh with everybody. Um, same with Clay Thompson. Uh, you had a little bit of struggles with Draymond and Durant, but uh, most of that team was pretty um, pretty easy to deal with. But this team's going to be a little bit harder. I mean, we've already seen they haven't been able to dominate as much as they should. They've been losing some games lately. And with that much talent, they shouldn't be losing those games. They should be at least blowing a couple teams out, um, getting some good win streaks going. But I don't know. I think come playoff time, it's going to switch up a little bit. I think they're going to be able to kick it into gear. But I don't know if their chemistry is going to be able to mesh well, um, well enough at least to beat a team like the Lakers with LeBron and um, Anthony Davis and a team that's a little more comfortable together already. Yeah, for sure. And this Brooklyn team is one that has been notorious for first-round exits. Like, like they, they've, they've had some good lineups, and they just can't seem to pull it together when it really matters, you know? Like – like I'm, right. I'm in Canada, and I feel like um, I, I, everybody's buzzing Raptors, Raptors, Raptors. This we're still talking about that championship that happened, you know, right? Oh, um, exactly. But but um, I I've seen the Raptors play play um play the Nets like three of the past four years in the first round, and the Nets always seem to go down against some Raptors teams that were not great, right? And That's right. 
so I don't know if this is going to be this is going to be any different. Um, something that really annoys me about this um, this Brooklyn team is the load management. It seems it seems like it's happening a little too often. Like a little too much, definitely. Yeah, I got Durant on my fantasy team, and he's been able to have some pretty good games, but. He's also feels like he's missing every every other game, every third game, and then of course you got Kyrie, who's just gonna go on two weeks sabbaticals all the time, just disappear. Right. Nobody knows what's really happening, what's um what's going on, and then um a guy like James Harden, who's gonna sit whenever he wants. He has he has a lot of control, a lot of influence, and everything. But uh, yeah, they're gonna all three need to be on the same page, and I think that they're gonna have to. Uh, change up some of that resting because I don't know if they'll be as comfortable and as ready come playoff times as uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who already have so much momentum. And a lot of these other guys were a lot hungrier, it seems like, than Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, when when Kyrie took that break, that two-week hiatus from, from basketball, and it said personal, right? And you're kind of like um, – at first, you're like, oh, that's a bit strange. You know, maybe it's like one or two games, and then one or two games becomes five, and then six, and then you're like, okay, maybe something happened. Maybe maybe there's something serious going on, right? And so, like, you kind of respect that personal label, but then a video comes out of this guy dancing in a club at his sister's birthday party, and you're like, you're like, if this is personal, I I, I, I'm not really sure what your main focus is right now. I'm not even sure you should play in basketball. And then that's about the time that we heard Stephen A. come over and be like, Kyrie should retire. And I, I was killing myself laughing. Stephen A. is an unbelievable person. Oh, of course. He loves those big dramatic storylines, of course. But, um, yeah, I, I just – I think that they're going to have to – they're going to have to get a little more focused on um, basketball. I don't know if – the three of them, the three of that big trio, have the same drive as a lot of these other teams. I think guys like Joel Embiid and the Sixers and um, even Giannis, who has been getting knocked out of the playoffs his whole career and everything, I think that they might be a little hungrier to make it than these three guys. These three guys a little, seem a little too dramatic, a little too um, self-focused, and I think that they're going to have to really kick it into gear. Steve Nash is going to have to really get them focused and um, – get their eyes on the prize because right now it looks like they have way too many problems to be a serious contender, even with all the talent in the world. Exactly. We look, if you look, I know it's, it's early in the season, but you look at Brooklyn's last 10 games, excuse me. They are just above 500, 500. They're they're six and four in the last 10 with this big three. Like uh, this is, these are not numbers that we really should be seeing. They're, They're scoring points. Don't get me wrong, but you you can't be put together and then everybody's expecting this big connection, this big bang, and nothing's really happening yet. It's kind of the same. They're sitting at 15, 15 right. and 12 in what right now looks like a terrible conference. And they're 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 in third place behind the Bucks who aren't doing any better. And you're kind of like, when is this gonna turn up? When are they going to be what we expect, right? Oh, that's exactly right. And another thing that we see is that in the Eastern Conference, they're allowing the second most amount of points as any team behind only the Wizards, who are, of course, um, struggling a lot. But um, you got some great offensive players. Kyrie can drop 40 on any given night. Um, Durant's obviously one of the greatest scorers of all time. And then Harden, who the past couple of years has been the best scorer in the league. Uh, But they're not doing anything on defense. They're letting teams score so much on them they're going to overtime with teams they should not be going to overtime with letting them drop so many points so i think that they're going to have to get a lot stronger a lot tougher and they're going to have to start playing on both ends rather than just playing excited on one end of the ball right no for for sure like you you mentioned points against point differential is is huge it's it's the key to winning basketball games right and of course um they're averaging around 120 points points per game, which is good for second in the conference, right? But then, like you said, 117 points against per game, you cannot let that happen and expect to be winning winning basketball games. You can't be giving up that many points. Like, it's, it's just too much. Exactly, yep. And when you start going against teams that are um, in sync and got those good offenses, they're just going to start tearing you apart. And then if you just get one or two bad shooting nights, from Duran and Harden and everything, then you're not going to be able to overcome it. And something 
else that is kind of out of the ordinary, aside from Brooklyn, is what's going on in Dallas with the Mavericks. We got Luka Doncic. People were people were already ready to brand him as MVP for the season. They were saying That's MVP. Right. LeBron's not going to do it. He's getting too old. Luka Doncic is today. He is now, and he's going to be the MVP. And they're not looking like they're going. They're they're going to be. And to be fair, Luka's not looking like an MVP right now. No, for sure. I'll be the the first to admit. Um, going into the season, I was one of those people that thought Luka was going to be the MVP favorite. I thought he was going to come out maybe even averaging a triple-double or something crazy like that, uh, leading the Mavericks to maybe a top-four playoff spot. Um, of course, it did hurt that uh, Porzingis missed the start of the season, but now he's been playing, and he's healthy, so they need to start getting on a roll. But, yeah, uh, Luka has not been as dominant and um, as influential as any of us thought he should be. And I think that he's going to really need to pick it up. I think that everybody around him is going to need to pick it up. But it starts with Luca. I mean, he's the best player on the team. He he's young, but he should already be the leader of the team. Um, and I mean, in basketball, it starts so young, right? It's not like football where you got to get ten years of experience as a quarterback before you're really the big guy, right? So um, I mean, he's young, but he needs to really, really start stepping it up. And then the coaching, they got to obviously step it up too. They they have a lot of talent. I mean, they're not they're not one of the most talented teams in the league per se, but they have more than enough talent to where they should be. They should be winning, and they should be getting in closer to that uh, playoff conversation. Yeah, they're they're sitting at thirteen and fourteen, like below five hundred. And the problem is, they, they you kind of think it's going to turn around, and then they lose four straight, and you're like, how does this happen? Right? This team, exactly. you cannot lose four straight basketball games, and at multiple points in the season, you cannot go on losing streaks because it's it's going to kill you. Like right now, no, of course not. Right now, they're out of the playoff picture. It's early. It's early, but. They, they can't continue this this streakiness of being, hey, they look like they're on the right track, and then boom, drop on the face of the earth, they're worse than Minnesota. Like, it, it just can't happen. Right. No, of course not. And, um, yeah, it is still early in the season, and there's still plenty of season to go, but it is a shortened season this year, and um, I know the NBA is trying to rush to get into the playoffs because they want to start getting back on track um, to a normal NBA season um, timing because of the fact that, um, obviously, the pandemic messed everything up. But, yeah, I mean, shortened season, uh, playoffs are going to probably be rushed a little bit. They're having a lot of back-to-back games. You have to start winning um, more of these games, getting some consecutive wins, getting on a roll. And it's got to start sooner than later, especially this season more than ever. Oh, yeah, for sure. And another team that's kind of had a similar storyline of not not this year. This year they're looking a little bit better, but is – the Warriors in, in in Cali, right? This team was people labeled them as the dynasty, and then we got we got Clay going down. You finally think he's going to come back. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to be able to start putting up points again and play. And then boom, he's out. He's out for the season. And we weren't really sure. We thought maybe that they were going to tank again and finish dead last. But I don't know. What what do you think of the early Golden State Warriors right now? Right. So, I mean, um, obviously a team with Steph Curry, he's still out there balling. He's doing great, right? Um, but they have some other guys uh, that really need to step it up, step it up. Kelly Oubre, um, Andrew Wiggins and all them, they got to start having a li- little bit better season. It's so tough when you lose a guy like Clay, because I know everybody went into the season thinking that they were going to have that 70, 73-9 and 19 that they had with Curry and Clay dropping uh, 25 threes combined and just going crazy and then Draymond out there defensive player of the year but I mean the team's changed a lot since then that's not the same team we saw and of course you have Curry out there doing everything that he can but um, I mean he can only do so much of course they're still having a they're still having a decent year they're above 500 which in basketball if you're above 500 there's a good chance you're going to make it to the playoffs so they're on that track um, on the right track but I think they're going to have to start meshing a little better um, James Wiseman, young uh, center, he's going to have to start stepping into a bigger role sooner than later. Uh, he has all the talent in the world, but um, he's just going to have to get a little bit more comfortable because Curry needs a little bit more help right now. No, he's doing sure. great. Yeah, Wiseman is definitely in that learning stage. This this guy will – he'll come up, he'll get hot when he gets fed the ball. Like, he's a force to be reckoned with, but then, you know, other times you, you see him making just bad mistakes out there on the court, right? So for sure, and this kind of solidifies the the 
the NBA GOAT conversation right now, that I don't think there's any debate between Steph Curry and LeBron James, but there's some people that say that Steph Curry is better than LeBron right now. And I, I think they're out to lunch because LeBron James at the most needs one guy. And that, that, that's a team. That's a team to win. You look at Golden State, Steph Curry, I think he has some of those guys that Le- if LeBron had them, they'd be winning a lot more basketball games than Golden State is. That's right. I completely agree. LeBron is a guy that, I mean, he can take the most, the most minimal amount of talent in the world and turn them into superstars, turn them into great teams, right? And um, Curry, Curry's not quite at that level. LeBron is just so dominant that he, he's just in a whole another league, right? And a lot of these people that are, like, kind of throwing Curry in the MVP conversation and everything, um, they're just throwing out every stat at you. Stat at you. Look at his th- um, how many three-pointers he's making. Look how many points he's getting. Look at his rebounds and assists. And LeBron's not quite having the statistic season that he a lot of times has. I mean, last year he averaged a double-double with 10 assists. But if you look at the games, if you're watching the games, if you see the impact that LeBron has getting everybody involved, making the team flow so well, and then you see Curry, who obviously on his own is doing great, but the team's not moving as well. They're not as comfortable. The chemistry's not there. A guy like LeBron is what's bringing the chemistry up. I mean, he's making everybody um, flow. Everybody's getting in sync. And those are those intangibles that you just can't, you can't measure, but you'll notice it when you watch it for sure. So Curry's going to have to get a little more at that level if he's going to be in the MVP conversation and everything. No, yeah, I think the term that you kind of described right there is the player coach. And I think that is right. extremely valuable for a team to have. Um, you you got to, like, Tom Brady, he's that guy. You see people getting penalties, flags. Tom Brady is in their ear, you know. The, and not, not to say that he's, he's being a trick about it, this guy wants to win football games, just like LeBron James. He's the same way on that court. He is that leader, whether you like it the way he does it or not. Same thing. I, people give Tom Brady flack for, for his attitude on the football field, getting in guys' ears. Like for me, uh, I, 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 I'm a Bears fan. I saw Jay Cutler, this guy who had extreme talent in Chicago, absolutely waste it with his attitude on the field. He'd throw right. an unbelievable pass for 40 yards, and it was just beautiful. And the first thing he does is put his hands and his hand warmer, and he just walks on the field. And it doesn't look like he wants to be there. Granted, this exactly. this guy was he, he was unbelievably put up numbers, but the thing was he was not the leader that they needed. And this is this leader is LeBron James, and I kind of don't see that in Steph Curry. Like when he's losing, and they're losing bad. I, I kind of see a shutdown and it's not that he doesn't quit or anything. This, this guy gives it his all, but his, like you just kind of see that dejected look that you rarely see from players like LeBron. LeBron looks like upset and he wants to make a change. Curry looks like he's upset with the situation and he doesn't feel like he can do anything. That's right. Yeah. I mean, to add to that point, I mean, you get a guy like LeBron and he is so hungry to win. He will do absolutely anything. He's going to fight as hard as he can. And I think Curry has a great leadership personality, but not necessarily mentality because he's, he's going to try to be positive. And when he's in the press conferences after the game, he's going to talk good and say the right words and everything. And um, he's going to take blame sometimes and he'll try to be a leader in that sense, but he's not the, the guy that's lifting up everybody around him and just making them play at such a higher level because everything that he does, he does on his own more so um, where LeBron, if he needs to take over and dominate on his own, he can, but he is always looking to just get everybody around him to dominate. And Curry's a great passer, a great facilitator, and I think most of the time he does look for the pass before the shot, but it's just not as um, fluid and nearly as comfortable. The chemistry is obviously not there like it is with LeBron. I, I think the big thing, like you were talking about the interviews and what you want to hear – and I'm sure you hear a lot in these interviews is the term we instead of me. Right. Right. I far too often. I, I hear guys who think they're superstars, think they're on the next level that they start talking about the way that they need to be shooting the way that the way, the way that they need to be passing the ball instead of what needs to change in the team. And that's all you hear from, from, from LeBron. You, you, you hear we granted he's, he needs to talk that way or else, He's such a big name. He's gonna he's gonna get flack for it, 
but I, I think that if that's, 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 that's um, a big indicator of what kind of leader you are is in those interviews, are they saying we, or are they saying me? And I think that's been a key to LeBron's success with any team that he's on. He's concerned with what's going on in the team, not just himself. That's right. Leading by example, but then also holding everybody accountable and making sure that everybody's doing the job that they have to do. Yeah. Talk, talk, and in talking about these these uh, NBA superstars, who's going to lead who, early predictions for this NBA playoff picture. What, what, what do you see? Yeah, so, I mean, right off the bat for the early predictions, I think that, I mean, we see kind of a, an outlier right now. The San Antonio Spurs are doing great, right? They're sneaking into a lot of that uh, playoff conversation. And, I mean, Greg Popovich, whenever you have a coach like that, he's going to always oh, be yeah, for sure. the success. But I don't know, to be honest, if I can see them sneaking into the playoffs. I think teams like the, the Warriors and the Nuggets are going to pass them up. I think maybe the Mavericks, once they can kind of get going, uh, will come up there. And even a team that should be having a lot more success, the Pelicans, they've had their struggles early on. I think that maybe later on in the season they could start to mesh a little bit better and get going. And then you go over to the Eastern Conference, um, the Sixers are just doing great. I think that they're going to blow through the regular season and um, just have a phenomenal regular season, probably be the number one seed. The Bucks might be able to pass them up just because Giannis is so great, the coaching great and everything. Uh, the Nets should be the number one seed, but I don't see them finishing in the top one or two seed. I think the Sixers and the Bucks are comfortable in those two spots. But, um, yeah, and then, of course, the Utah Jazz, the number one seed right now, I, I can't picture them finishing the number one seed. They're having a great year, but I think that the Clippers, the Lakers, might have a little bit more of that longevity towards the end of the season and go on some good runs to pass them up. How about you, though? What do you think? Um, somebody that I think is getting overlooked right now, and it's because they're not doing well, but um, I, I, I like this Memphis Grizzlies team. I think that they're going to – they're going to make some noise late in the season. I, I, I don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs, but, but I think that they're going to pick it up. They, they've, they've, they've got some talent there. Um, I, I like Anderson, Brandon Clark. I mean, he, he's inconsistent, um, but man, when, when he's on, he, he's on. And that, and, and that team, if they can get going, I, I think they're going to be good. They, they obviously need, they need Ja, they need Ja Morant. But I totally agree. I mean, they're such a young team um, that, like you said, I don't think they're going to be able to make a big playoff run. But I think that they might be able to just have some energy late um, late in the season and beat some teams um, that they shouldn't necessarily be able to beat. But they're such a young team. I mean, if they just continue on their path right now, I don't think they need to make any drastic changes. Maybe in the offseason try to bring in a, a, a decent big name or whoever they can. But they just got young talent that they have to develop. And in the coming years, they could be a scary team. I could see them um, definitely climbing the ranks. Yeah, I, I, uh, another thing is I, I think the Mavs are going to be good. I think Luka is going to keep doing what he's doing. He's going to turn it up. I think they're going to they're, they're, they're gonna climb high in, in the playoffs. I think right now they're dealing with a lot of drama um, with the whole Mark Cuban not playing the national anthem. It's kind of like even overshadowing their poor performance on, on the court. Is people are concerned with the political sides of things, and I, I feel like that's kind of affected affected the room atmosphere there. That these guys feel like people aren't really concerned with how they're playing basketball; more concerned with should they be playing the national anthem, should they be kneeling, should they be doing this and whatnot. I completely agree, and I think that the teams that you see that are doing great right now—the Utah Jazz, the Lakers, Sixers, Bucks—I think that they have had very. Um, they're not being dramatic right now. There's no drama. It doesn't seem like there's any drama in the locker room. They're, it seems like they're very focused on just winning, getting that championship. They've been very smooth, had good seasons. Then you got teams like the Nets who are not doing as great as they should. I mean, they're still the three seed, but they should be doing a little bit better. Um, but they've had a lot of drama, of course, going on. And then, um, so yeah, some of these other teams, the Warriors just haven't had that quite that, that great mentali- mentality that they need to climb up in the ranks. Um, but yeah, I think the teams that are doing great right now are the teams that have a very clear focus and desire to be the best and to win at all costs. I think for the Mavs to be successful, they need Hardaway to step up his game. This, this guy, all of the role players, we got, we got Doncic is averaging almost 30 points a game Persingis 20.7. Right. And we got, we got Hardaway 
averaging 16.8. It's good, but that team needs him to step up and be a 20-point-per-game player because those are key points that you're they're not getting from their bench. They're not getting those points that they're losing from Hardaway on their bench. He needs to start producing. No, I completely agree. They definitely need all of their uh, role players and their bench players to step it up because, um, I mean, although uh, Luca's not dominating quite as much as we all expected him to, he's still having a good year. Um, I think it's just because of the fact that it's not meeting expectations, we're being harder on him than we need to be, especially at his young age. But, yeah, I know those role, role players need to step up. All of the load doesn't need to be on Luca's shoulders, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that, 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 that's a good way to end it. I find all too – it happens so often in the sports media world, and we're probably going to be guilty of it over the course of this podcast, is we do put a lot on the shoulders of these players. We got we to gotta kind of remember that these are just – they're they're men. They got their own families and everything, right? right. And, and it's a team sport too. And these and some of these guys aren't even really men right now. Some of them are just kids that you'd walk on the street and you'd be like, "Hey, this guy's no different than me," right? But <laughs> little little do you know, this guy's averaging almost thirty points in the NBA, right? So I I feel like it's a lot for a guy like Luca to handle. He's walking in, he's so young, and he's got all this pressure on him and people expecting him to be the best, right? So um, it's definitely it's definitely a tough situation that he's got in Dallas right now. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. <laughs> to be honest, I think if we kept on going, we'd be, we'd be here for a couple more hours. But we appreciate everybody coming out. We had lots of fun. We hope you enjoyed it half as much as we did. Uh, everybody have a great week, and be sure to check back next week for the latest updates of sports across North America. See you, everybody.